0: This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 46-inch. On this week's episode, we
1: interview the lead singer for the band Your Mother and world champion air guitarist, Craig Billmire. It's Dave and
2: Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast about Weird
3: Al. Weird
2: Al Seriously, a whole podcast is about Weird
1: Steve
2: Al. Weird Al you don't have to listen, but we're glad you are.
1: Last week we aired the finale of our Weird Al album cover art top five list, and Dave, I only received a handful of death threats this time. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're doing pretty good. (laughs) I think we're kind of on the right page. You know, the feedback was, you know, uh, maybe the self-titled album should have been a little bit higher. But I think all in all... People generally were okay with our top five, which they should be because they have to be.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy with our top five. You know, listening back to the episode, I really thought we did a good job and really explaining why we put things where we did. And I I still stand by what we did. Yeah, I, I think we did a nice job. And maybe
1: in 15 years we can revisit it and look at all the other albums Al's put out since. And maybe we'll have a different opinion, but we'll, we'll have to see.
0: No guarantees that Gleep Glorp won't top the list. Now, if I could get serious for a minute, a lot of serious, important things happened last week. For example, on Tuesday, March 10th, it was Mario Day. On Friday, March 13th, it was Friday the 13th. On Saturday, March 14th, it was Pi Day. And on Sunday, March 15th, it was the Ides of March, but it was also the release of the very important book, Weird Al Seriously. What a crazy week it was. Yeah, now we've talked to Kelly Phillips the last two weeks, and she did that amazing illustration on the cover. And prior to that, we talked to the author of the book, Lily Hurst. If you have not heard those three episodes, you are going to want to go back and listen to those. They're going to put you in the mood to read this book.
1: If you found yourself at home a lot last week or this week, what a great thing. Al has released the video of him performing Germs from Weird Al Yankovic Live, the VHS and DVD It was, of course, recorded on the Touring with Scissors tour at the Marin County Civic Center in San Rafael, California, on October 2nd, 1999. And as soon as he posted it, I looked at it and it said I was viewer number five. So I don't know (laughs) if that's really legit or if it just said that for everyone, but I was excited to be viewing it
0: at such an early time so what you're saying is you sit there and you refresh al's youtube page until a new video comes up just like Mike Minick with our podcast, yes. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've actually seen that video. Obviously, this was you know 20 years ago at this point. But one thing I noticed, you know, just how young everyone in the band looked. Yeah. I actually <laughs> made a comment to you. I think that you know, how <laughs> about how Jim Kimo West looks like a very young Jim Kimo West. Ah, uh, that was of course a reference
1: to when we were mishearing Al saying our very own Jim Kimo West. We thought he was saying a very young Jim Kimo West on acoustic guitar for the intro for
0: You Don't Love Me Anymore on the Strings Attached Tour. The other thing I noticed about it is that Al was not wearing his wedding ring. So this was even before he got married to Suzanne. Wow. Or he just was having a break that night. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we were on a break.
1: (laughs) And Dave, you alerted me to this. Al
0: was featured in an online article from Under the Radar magazine. Yes, it is in issue number 66, and it looks like it came out last September, but they just put the article online now. And Al talks about his favorite album, Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Now, that's the album that he learned to play accordion to. So this is a very important album to al interestingly in the article he actually says i don't know if this is my favorite album but this is the one i want to talk about so favorite i guess you can kind of put in in air quotes if you want right for that one (laughs) i feel like a lot of people going into the article wouldn't expect al to say elton john yeah i mean you think about it amazingly al has not done an elton john parody that's true of course, Al did cover a couple of Elton John songs
1: on the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour.
0: That's right. He played Crocodile Rock and he also played Funeral for a Friend slash Love Lies Bleeding and Saturday Nights Alright for Fighting. And he's never even used an Elton John song in a polka before. It does say in the article that he almost did Ode to a Superhero to the song Rocket Man. I
1: would love to hear a demo version. Of him doing Ode to a Superhero to Rocket Man.
0: That sounds really cool. That does sound really cool. I'd like to see what kind of changes he would have to make to the lyrics to make that work with Rocket Man, but I could see it totally
1: working. <laughs> that would be so great. All right. So, Dave, speaking of favorite albums, you know, obviously we'll take Al out of the equation. What's
0: your favorite non Weird Al album? Oh, that's easy. It's Individual Life Insurance's Greatest Hits by The Rockin' Actuaries. Is that a real album? Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Out podcast is brought to you in part by the Don Ferlazzo All-State Agency in Clifton Park, New York. If you drive like crazy or are about to buy you a condo, Don Ferlazzo and his team can help you with crazy good auto home and renter's insurance. Plus, the Ferlazzo Agency can protect all of your favorite stuff, like your copies of the Midnight Star fanzine. You may think your insurance is good enough for now, but don't wait one more minute.
1: Find the Furlazo Allstate on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or give them a call, 518-278-3543, for a free quote today. The Furlazo Agency. We sell insurance, and that's all. Dave, we like to talk about, you know, our collections all the time and the different things that we've received or picked up, and I got a really cool thing this week I wanted to tell you about.
0: Ooh, please tell me.
1: Yeah, so you know how I've been trying to track down a full set of, Of the Midnight Star Weird Al fanzines for many years, I only have a handful, and I saw twenty-two of them show up on eBay all in one auction, and I knew I had to win that. As soon as I saw it come up, I was like, "I am gonna win this," and I like I set five alarms on my phone so I could bid, and you know I, I I bid, and of course I won. So I've been just so excited for it to show up. So it shows up. I open the package, and not only are there 22 mint condition, beautiful Midnight Star fan magazines, but there is also a vinyl sleeve for this album called The Weird Album by this punk band Your Mother. And Dave, I'm sure you're familiar with this. I'm sure a lot of the um, bigger collectors in our audience are familiar with this. But this was this EP that this punk band Your Mother put out in the late nineties and it is just so cool. I've actually been personally looking for this for many years. And so the fact that it just showed up in my mailbox unexpected, it kind of blew my mind. I, I'm like admiring the beautiful artwork. I'm checking out the back and I see that one of the guys in the back, his name is Craigums. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting. I feel like the guy who I bought this auction from his name was Craig. So I look and sure enough, The guy who I bought this from is Craigums from Your Mother.
0: (laughs) I was so blown away. I I just like, I still can't believe it. That is so cool. That is amazing. I love that album. I actually have that album. I actually have two copies. I wish you would have told me you were looking for one. I could have got one for you. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah,
1: but I mean, I feel like we should totally get Craig on the show sometime.
0: Yeah, I'd definitely be down for that.
1: I just you know, I, I mean I started looking him up. He's like this air guitar champion, you know, he's in other bands, he's like he he does uh you know, audio editing for, for a comedy record he's just gonna be too busy. I, I feel like we shouldn't even ask him.
0: I mean, I think we should ask him.
1: No, you know, I, I don't wanna bother him. I don't wanna like, you know, take I mean, on a new it, It's not
0: that hard to just ask him. Yeah, but I, I just feel weird. It's like, hey, you know, I bought this. Hey, stuff let let from me you. ask him. Just let me ask him, okay? Fine. Hey, Craig, you want to be on the program and do an interview with us? Yeah, it sounds like fun. Oh, awesome. Wow. All right, he said yes. That was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Craig. (laughs) Hey there.
1: Hi, guys. Just to get your full name out there. Of course, you do go by Craigums, but uh, full name, Craig Billmeyer. We are so thrilled to have you join us on the podcast. Super
2: excited to be here.
0: <laughs> I got to say, Craig I, Craig, I got a story, too. Uh, I actually opened up my Your Mother album and and was listening to it the other day, and there is a handwritten note from you inside that thanked me for ordering it. And it, you gave me three stickers and I still have those three stickers. Wow. <laughs> they they didn't melt to the
2: vinyl <laughs> over
0: the years. No, it's, it's it says one is your mother and one is I'm not sure what it is. It's some kind of logo, and the other one says jogging is not a crime. So
2: <laughs> Yeah. Don't you I take forget the that heart. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, uh twenty five years later. Thank you for buying that. <laughs> well, it sounds like you bought two of them, Dave. <laughs> I did. I bought two of them. Did you buy two at once or did you buy them separately? And did I put a note in the second one as well? Ooh. You know
0: what? I only have, <laughs> that's an excellent question. I bought them both at the same time. I know that. I think there's only a note in one of them. I'll have to track it on my other one and find <laughs> out.
2: Wouldn't that be awesome if I wrote the exact same note <laughs> <laughs> on the other record, knowing both of them were still going in the same sleeve? <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: So, okay, when did this come out? When did the weird album come out from your
2: mother? Well, uh, would you like a backstory? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, and here we go. There was I believe the zine was called Ben is Dead. It was kind of a 90s zine in the 90s culture parlance and uh in it there was a weird they were interviewing Weird Al and he, they were in like some restaurant in Hollywood and it was these two women who uh were editors of the zine and they were talking to just very conversationally and they were asking him of all these tribute comps that were coming out, which one would he most want to be on? And his retort was something along the lines of "When's someone going to make a tribute record for me, (laughs) Uh, possibly in that voice. Right. (laughs) And we had already been doing covers of a couple of weird owl songs and Immediately, we all collectively were like, well, that's us. Uh, you know, in the, the words of Phineas and Ferb, I know what we're going to do today. <laughs> and so we uh, kind of went, uh, figured out, I think, six songs total. We might have kind of loosely played maybe, you know, 10 or something. But we narrowed it down to six specific songs. and. In very true punk band fashion, we booked some time in the studio and recorded like 45 songs over three days. Awesome. Uh, Of which six of them were Weird Al covers. So they did not come out nearly as uh, fantastic as our ambitions would have liked. Um, But we were able to have some star musicians come on and play. Uh, We had tuba on one of the songs. So, I mean, by all accounts, it was definitely enough of a success. But um, I think it it could have been better had we time. But then had we time, we might not have pursued something so (laughs) stupid. (laughs) <laughs> i mean you're saying that it
1: didn't live up to your expectations and i got to listen to it for the first time because you were very kindly included a cd of it for me and i gotta say i love this album and if you thought it could have been better i can't even imagine and i would love to hear that one because <laughs> my mind's already blown <laughs>
2: Well, that's awesome. Thank you for receiving our album. Here are some <laughs> stickers. <laughs> I, I
1: did not get any stickers. I did get some beautiful midnight stars. But let's just go over the songs in the album. So there's Happy Birthday, Let Me Be Your Hog, Dare to Be Stupid, Fun Zone, I'll Be Mellow When I'm Dead, and Everything You Know Is Wrong. Now, what was the you know reasoning behind these songs?
2: Well, a couple of them, uh, like I'll Be Mellow When I'm Dead, is such a it's such an anthem for when you're feeling like. When I think of Weird Al and I think of that spirit of just total irreverence and just like <laughs> just not caring about anything but having too much energy to keep that bottled up. <laughs> and, you know, you're just like running wild in the streets and with an accordion, I guess. And that's that song just like embodied it. And then the other songs kind of had that same like Happy Birthday is also that sort yeah. of like it's it's kind of got a bouncy Lack of a better term, punky vibe. That's also kind of irreverent and a little dark and and uh, and then fun zone. We used to open our own shows with before we realized that Weird Al was doing it. And um, (laughs) that totally sounds like a (laughs) we inspired him to open his own own song. Pretty sure that's not the case. Uh, But then uh, let me be your hog. I mean. That was an obvious choice. Of course. And because uh, we had an extra eight seconds. on that <laughs> And then I think everything, you know, is wrong and dare to be. Stu- well, dare to be stupid is just the greatest song. And it's kind of in that I'll be mellow when I'm dead. It's just like a declaration. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's. Even Mark Mother's Boss says that's the best Devo song ever. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and then finally, Everything You Know Is Wrong was, I think, where we were like feeling ambitious and like, oh, we could pull that. That's a fun one. And it's, it's also one of his really great storytelling kind of songs. And it's where it's just like meandering, like, you know, like a fun trip through just absurdity. And it just seemed like a fun one. It had a really fun breakdown in the middle. And so we just, and at the time, that Bad Hair Day had just come out. And so that was like the cutting edge song. Right. Whereas all the rest were kind of more classics.
0: Now, now Everything You Know Is Wrong. That's a really fast song.
2: Is that like, difficult to sing? Um, I don't really <laughs> remember. <laughs> I mean, it was okay. one of probably 45 songs we did okay. vocals for in one day. <laughs> So if I got more than one take, we were already doing better than we expected.
1: <laughs> and just to clarify wow. your your role in the band, you're the guitar player, you're the singer. Yes. Correct. That's so cool. How long was your mother around before you guys got to the masterpiece, the weird album? Um
2: we I think we recorded that in like ninety six or ninety seven and we'd been we started when I was in high school in nineteen ninety. Wow if we're okay. dating this. <laughs> myself <laughs> um so yeah we uh, so our drummer was he was he was this kid who lived across the street from my best friend and when I say kid he was 12 and we, he had a band and we we could hear in the neighborhood that there was this band practicing somewhere in the neighborhood And we kept walking around trying to find it, but it turns out they had really, like, insulated the living room walls, and so it was was kind of hard to track down, but when did we realize, hey, it's that house, that's the house. And so we waited outside for who knows how long until they walked out, and it was was a death metal band, like a full-blown, like, double bass drum kind of band. And then they walk out and they're kids. I mean, like kids. <laughs> 12, 13, 14-year-old kids. And it was just like, wow, that this is pretty amazing. I remember we went in there to like, like, hey, can we watch you guys? And at this time we're probably like 16 or something, which in you know youth years is like a whole generation older yeah. than them. Yeah. And uh, we went in to watch them practice. And uh the <laughs> the bass player had a bottle of chloroseptic on his amp, and in between songs, or in between like every time he had a break, he'd you know spray it in his throat and then come back to the microphone and <laughs> and then the drummer was this little 12 year old kid that that was just constantly doing windmills and every time it got to the double bass parts you you wouldn't hear the you'd see his feet moving but they wouldn't even make contact with the bass drum heads <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway fast forward um Uh, We became kind of friends with those kids, and uh, we were looking for a drummer because our drummer had disappeared. And one of the guys in that band said, "Hey, we do covers of your songs. You should try out our drummer." And it was that little kid. We're like, "Well, okay." And he came in, and he was just phenomenal. He learned everything really fast. He was just like a, and and we were way slower than what he was used to. And um, but the only thing he listened to was death metal and polka. And of course grandfather's actually in the concertina hall of fame wow and so he it it runs in his blood and so of course being a polka fan his absolute favorite artist was weird al that's now, amazing. a side note he didn't actually speak anything more than like mm-hmm. okay <laughs> no okay i'm done that was all he said for two years and so so the only time you'd see any sort of like expression from him was when he's playing the drums, or when we'd be on tour because we'd have to get a note from his mom saying we're <laughs> taking him across state lines. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, and we would play weird all polka, usually the polkas. We had all the polkas like on a tape that would just loop, and he would just be bumping around in the back of the van, <laughs> <laughs> to all the polkas. That's and so anyway, amazing. fast forward to now, thirty years later, he is the drummer in Love Songs. Wow he's also the and was the drummer throughout your uh the drummer throughout your mother.
1: And so the love songs that is your current band. So your mother's not together anymore.
2: No, 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 no. We uh broke up and became a website. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Dave and I aspire to one day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> some dreams do come true. <laughs> So you record the album. I mean, this is a professional thing. This is not like you just burned this in your dorm room or something like this is a legit album, really great cover art. You know, it's actually on a record label. How does that all come about?
2: So once we knew that we were going to do it and, and make a record out of it and us being a punk band knew we weren't going to sell them anyway, (laughs) they were just going to end up in one of our closets, uh, like, like all merchandise does, uh, which is why I can still send you a record sleeve 25 years later. (laughs) Um, We went ahead and did it and we didn't sell. In fact, the record wasn't fully manufactured until after the band broke up probably four years later. Whoa. So there was never any (laughs) hope of selling them. But what it did do was it opened us up to a wider uh, audience, which was like the weird owl nerds. And so once we, once they got out there and Dave and I like (laughs) enter our hosts, (laughs) um, (laughs) And so we started being able to like trade, and it was just like it was a a a commodity amongst this community that we were so like excited about. And so we, you know, we gave all the band each member of the band got a copy of the record, and you know the um, Pamela, the the Midnight Star, the woman who did the Midnight Star, they got copies, and then we would just uh, make friends over the internet. And so we started putting it on eBay. And we were just selling it for like five bucks a copy just to cover cost and Whoa. shipping. And, and we just burned through them. And that was really kind of like, I mean, there was, of course, our friends who are just also Weird Al fanatics and stuff. And that it worked that well. But it, it definitely reached people and we became friends with people that we never would have otherwise crossed paths with. And for that, I'm very grateful and also felt like I was contributing something to something that had inspired me. And so I kind of like, you know, churned that back out. Into the universe
1: i mean absolutely as a collector and dave being one of the biggest collectors in the world this has a place in every weird out collection it's such a a unique piece it's so well done and you can tell it's not just you know it's not like a corporate it's not sony putting out like a tribute record these are like diehard fans putting out a labor of love and i think that's what makes it so special
2: well, uh, thank you. I'm glad you think so. I, I would also like to add the cover of that record is, I mean, the actual artwork that uh, the original artwork is probably three feet by three feet. It's enormous Whoa! because it's so detailed. And uh, if, if, you know, for anyone who's listening and they don't know, it's uh, it's our take on the self-titled Weird Al record, the, which is that kind of a mad magazine style, uh cartoon where it's just full of all sorts of references to like Weird Al and stuff in Weird Al songs and stuff. And we just did a version of our own where basically every little it, it looks very, you know, uh, if you're looking at a thumbnail on a Google image search, you'd be hard pressed to tell oh, which yeah. one is which. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've
1: got both of them in front of me right now. And the attention to detail is insane it's unbelievable looking at him side by side like i noticed something on yours and then i look back at the the al cover i'm like oh that is on al's cover like you know <laughs> oh you know you have an atari and oh you know al has a you know an atari or a tape deck or something on his like it's just like
2: it's so perfect <laughs> yeah i i i totally agree and it's easy for me to say that because i had nothing to do with the artwork so i can you know pass those kudos yeah. on to somebody else without you know Making it feel like I'm a granddad myself, but the guy who did that art was. Just, I mean, he is also. If I if I sent you some of his driver's license pictures, he it was basically Weird Al through the ages, <laughs> <in his laughs> photos. Um, and he eventually became a stand-up comic, and he does a lot of that. He, he's very much in that world. Like, oh wow. You know, he, he was on the trajectory from when he was very young, and he did that cover when he was probably sixteen or seventeen. Whoa! And uh, and if you look at the where it says your mother, inside the letters are a bunch of little faces. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, um, I mean that's like hundreds of little faces in <laughs> yes. there. Yes. It's just, and I oh and and uh, sorry, uh, that's why the record didn't come out until after we broke up because <laughs> we kept was, waiting. Like we can't just. Put I mean we, we dubbed cassettes for people and just handed them out to our friends yeah but it was like we want to really make something like legitimate of this since we put a lot of effort into it and we're waiting for this guy who kept saying like no it's, it, trust me it'll we, you know it'll be worth it it'll be worth it and it's just for years went by and eventually he sent it and we're like oh whoa you weren't kidding <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so that of all the things that's the thing that I'm most proud of with that record is that that artwork is, is really phenomenal
1: where is that three foot by three foot thing is that hanging in your den
2: <laughs> i believe that artist uh his name is alex cole k-o-l-l uh he i think he has it rolled okay. up in a tube somewhere yeah. <laughs> He's like a, he here to, to quote unquote illustrate him we went on a tour of the south pacific and when we, so again, being an underground punk band, when we would tour, we wouldn't get any of the visas, we wouldn't get any of the, like, we wouldn't register any of our merchandise to pay taxes on, all that, we just, like, went in under the radar and yeah. pretended like we are just a bunch of, like, backpacking Canadians. <laughs> and so we went to, uh, when we went down to uh, Australia and New Zealand, he, he went with us. He just sh- started showing up at our shows wearing, like, floaties and a bathrobe. <laughs> and... <laughs> And, like, I didn't know him. He knew – I think maybe he knew our drummer or something. He just started showing up to things. And then eventually (laughs) – and he became, like, much more fun to watch than us. (laughs) us? (laughs) So, eventually, we just started inviting him to – like, he was on the thread. Like, oh, we've got it. – we're playing here on this date. (laughs) (laughs) As if he were a member of the band. And eventually he did. So, come – so, this particular tour where he said, okay – You know we're going, and you guys know the drill. Uh, If we would at most, we'd bring our guitar and a soft case, and then our drummer would bring um, maybe a snare drum or something like that. And the rest, you just sneak. You you're wearing like 15 t-shirts underneath your jacket. (laughs) You're just trying to like sneak in as much as you can and just go under the radar. And he shows up. He's got three duffel bags and way too much stuff. As much stuff as all of us combined. And and it's like we can't put his stuff in a cab and send it home we're already at the airport it's like all right you know we go through we get to our destination all of the three duffel bags are nothing but costumes So he, for whatever was a three-week tour he brought one pair of clothes to wear on the airplane and three big duffel bags full of costumes which he wore the entire time that's amazing yeah uh, so he's very much worth checking. He became a, a competitive air guitarist as well, and he his original name was Shred Bagley Jr., but then he changed <laughs> it to Awesome, and he is one of the most amazing performers in in a sea of worthy candidates of that title. Uh, so if you look for Awesome uh, Air Guitar, you'll uh, you'll know when you see him. He's got yeah. a huge curly <laughs> Afro. Okay. He's amazing. But he, anyway, he's the guy that drew the cover, and he's a huge Weird Al nerd. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love i love that you're just surrounded by Weird Al nerds uh, throughout your life, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's a uh, self-fulfilling yes. kind of thing, right?
1: <laughs> well, we definitely want to ask about the air guitar stuff, but I- I've got so many more questions before we get to that. How big was the run of these vinyls? I want to say we'd- either
2: 1,000 or 2,000. Yeah, so really not that many are out there. I mean, that's a lot for, <laughs> for a little punk band. Well, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But it, it, in the in the scheme of things, uh, I guess it's, I mean, for as far as Weird Al stuff, it's probably a pretty small run.
1: Yeah. I mean, for, for me, who has, you know, been trying to track one of these down for under a few hundred dollars, it's it's, it's a low number. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you also about, you know, some of the lyric changes in the songs and did those come from... Just when you would perform them live, you'd kind of goof around, or what, you know, what were some of the ideas behind those?
2: Oh, yeah. See, the, one of them we changed, Do we change one from beer to root beer? Yes. Yep, and happy and birthday. Then, yeah, happy birthday. Uh, we also were huge pinball fanatics, so I think we, and we always went roller skating, because it, uh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have no excuse for that, but... uh so I think we maybe interjected a couple. And then I think another one was there was something that might have been marginally culturally insensitive. Um, Arabs on the corner buying everything in sight. Yeah. That comes to mind. Did I change
1: that? I, you know, I went through and I, I made note of a lot of things. That you oh, changed. yeah.
2: Multinationals on every corner buying everything in sight. OK.
1: Yeah. I wasn't sure what you were saying there.
2: Yeah,
1: the fact that I just remember that is beyond me as well. Yeah, instead of the monkeys in the Pentagon, I think you said the Illuminati in the Pentagon? Oh, yes. Uh Um, Good ear. You changed it to uh, a jock in the pit looking for a fight. Um, In um, I'll Be Mellow When I'm Dead, you changed it to a John Tesh enhanced CD. (laughs) <laughs> there's, some really... Which was... <laughs> <laughs> there's some really funny ones um of course oh, that's, uh... of course i'll be mellow when i'm dead at some point changes to heavy metal is not dead in the chorus <laughs> <laughs> that's right
3: <laughs> um i forgot about that in
1: everything you know is wrong of course you're not driving you're riding your bike and it comes out of your under ruse you're guessing mr t and urkel uh, then of course my favorite my all-time favorite I mean, out of the six songs, uh, three of which have changes. My all-time favorite is, of course, instead of Jamie Farr, you say John Bermuda Schwartz, uh, which is just, yes. I love that so much. <laughs>
2: oh, yes. I, we were so entrenched. That was just all we did. There was a, about a year. So Brad, the guy, the drummer, the little boy drummer, little drummer boy. Uh, he, again, in the nineties, he realized that if he started a zine of his own, he could get free CDs and concert tickets from, you know, <laughs> labels. Yeah. And so he would, um, he made it a zine and it was, I mean, it was absolutely, uh, content free (laughs) there was nothing (laughs) of any value it was just like it was just to fill pages so he could put something in a sleeve and mail it to a record label and (laughs) so he did that and a surprising number of uh, labels wrote back and said sure you want to interview this band because it was like the 90s where oh there was this big dip back into the underground and so they must not have even cracked the zine and just went and Right. Signed him on as being one of their like, you know, street team press people. And so he just started. So if he was like uh, on for 15 different labels, he would make a new issue of a zine and he'd make 15 <laughs> copies <laughs> 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 to show that he did the work. <laughs> and, uh, and basically we just wanted free concert tickets and free CDs. Um, however, there were a few times where we really uh, like tried to use it for uh, something that we were like genuinely uh, wanted access to And one of those was Weird Al And mm. somehow the, he got on uh, Weird Al or Jay Levy's uh, Radar and uh, He became Kind of pen pals with Bermuda wow. Them both being drummers yeah. And um, and also Big fans of Al And so there w- that kind of Kept escalating till eventually we just Followed Weird Al around For like a year like he was the Grateful Dead <laughs> <And> <laughs> oh, Anytime wow. he was uh you know somewhere close we I'm close being like you know within a day's drive we would <laughs> wow. uh, we would go see him and so we kind of got to be on semi recognizable terms <laughs> with uh with the band at least um and yeah we had a, that we just it was all out all the time <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. It sounds That's familiar, you know. You're speaking <laughs> to the choir here. I don't know if you can relate, but we
1: really liked Weird Al. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, there there was one line in "Everything You Know Is Wrong." I want to ask you about. Um, instead of golden grams, you say tofuti and just the Mr. Show fan in me is wondering: is that a Mr. Show reference?
2: <laughs> it's it's part Mr. Show and part. Uh, we were all either vegetarian or vegan. Amazing at that time. So. Thank you. Thank you for the confirmation. <laughs> I feel like I'm giving some a, a legal deposition of some sort. <laughs> uh your honor, I was not expecting these questions. <laughs> I hesitate to answer them.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about some of the songs on this album and I want to actually ask you was there ever any thought to putting out a full version
2: of Let Me Be Your Hog. <laughs> no, but that is, <laughs> that is definitely dumb enough to consider, <laughs> uh, which is always reason enough to do anything. Uh, I, we did contemplate making non-quote-unquote funny versions of Weird Al songs <laughs> just to like you know, take, make it full circle, but I don't think we ever thought of making Let Me Be Your Hog a full like radio length song. <laughs> what would it, I don't know what, I mean, I would really have to stop and think like, well, why would I want to be a hog? <laughs> what would the hog mean to that person? I'd really have to dig in there. You know, I'd have to carry a notebook around for a week to try and like, you know, <laughs> wrap my head around why I want to be, would want to be someone's hog and why that person might consider having me as a hog. This gives me just an incredible idea.
1: I, I want to put together a concept album where fifteen different bands write their own full-length version of "Let
2: Me Be Your Hog," and <laughs> that would just be the greatest thing
1: in the world. I think.
2: <laughs> I'm starting four more bands so that I can be in five bands on. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like I need
0: to start a band now. I want to be on this too. <laughs> So a couple more things to point out, though, that this album, and this is a brilliant idea, and I'm surprised no one's ever thought of it before on a Weird Al tribute album. Side A is actually Side Al. Side B (laughs) is Side Bermuda. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! So perfect. (laughs) And in my copy, you also included this little handy flyer, and on the flyer it has... Original limited edition cover art, and it is a parody of the Weird Eye Yankovic in 3D album. Is that real? Uh, is, is it in 2D? It says in 2D, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that was uh, before we had any art and we wanted you know, something to be. <laughs> I remember we would go to the dollar bin at the record store, buy records just so we could use the sleeve and then like wheat pasted <laughs> 2d cover Whoa. on the front well
0: that's something we're gonna have to track down Ethan. yes oh my god <laughs> another thing on this flyer it also includes a picture of a jacket with a giant weirdo yankovic in 3d like back patch on it Whose jacket is that?
2: <laughs> when I was 10, my dad took me to my first concert, which was Weird Al in San Francisco. And uh, shortly thereafter, a few weeks later, he also took me to my next concert, which was R.E.M. opening up for Rat. Uh, this was 1984. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, that uh, that shirt, uh, that was the sh- my concert shirt. And uh, I wore it so much that, like, everything rotted off except that front logo. Whoa. <laughs> so I then uh, sewed it to the back of my leather jacket. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so I,
1: I got to ask you about your Weird Al collection. I mean, so looking at the the, the back of the cover, um, you are standing with no clothes on, covering yourself with Al records and Singles and (laughs) obviously you had uh, you know an amazing collection of um, Midnight Star fanzines. You know, were you a collector? Do you still have stuff? You know what what sort of things did you collect? I'm I'm very
2: curious. I think I just probably collected uh, anything. Kind of sort of you know I I it seemed weird. I was just kind of like obscure enough that it was like fun to find things of his around. But then I think when I got Midnight Star, I remember them taking it so much farther, and finding like every news clip that that he appeared in, or every like write up like Weird Al's at the Waukesha County Fair this weekend, you know, like, and they would put those clips of that in the in the zine, and I think at, at that point it's like somebody's already got this covered, and they're doing a much better oh. job. Than I was. But um, I did I did find over the years just kind of like in you know record bins. Um, Random singles, uh, a picture disc somewhere, and just a few different vinyl, like radio-only releases, that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. Stuff that wasn't meant to be collectible, but that was you know, not a large run. Right,
1: right. Cool. Yes,
2: yeah, so and I don't think there's anything too exciting. I definitely have had uh, – there's one record that I know I probably won't find for any reasonable amount of money, and that's the – another one, Rides a Bus – on placebo records, <laughs> <Yeah>. single. <laughs> Which uh, do either of you have that?
1: Yes,
0: <laughs> Okay,
2: yeah. Bo- <laughs> both
0: of us have that. That has a run of a thousand as well. So you're right on target <laughs> with your run of a thousand. <laughs>
2: uh, whatever we can do to align with a right. <laughs> <Now it's done. laughs> so yeah, that's kind of like a record. I'm I'm sh- pretty sure I won't find it. Uh, so it kind of. Uh, You know, once you find that or you once one finds the that grail, then the hunt is over and you kind of like you lose that enthusiasm. So I kind of know I probably won't find that. So it kind of keeps my eyes always open a little bit.
1: Well, I will say from experience, having that once you have that in your possession, you realize that that is not the holy grail and that there are much more holier grails to find and collect it's a it's a very vicious uh, spiral
3: once you once you get in
2: <laughs> you know weird al should have mentioned that single in ebay he really should have
3: yeah, i mean that's all i look
2: someone. for on ebay is weird al stuff so
1: yeah <laughs> so craig i wanted to ask you so you sent me of course a burn cd of all these songs were they ever available, you know, digitally in, in this form? Or was it really just, you had to have the record or you had to know
2: you? Yeah, that, that was the, the, <laughs> okay. is the case. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've been uploaded, uh, to YouTube. And I think somebody for a while had a band camp of that record. Oh yeah. Maybe it was one of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're out there and that's, I mean, that's what we want anyway, you know, of course to enjoy them of course and, uh, <laughs> and, and share in the weird al camaraderie would you consider
1: all these years later re-releasing it you know putting it out on cassette tape or
2: <laughs> something ridiculous um i mean yeah if, if somebody wanted to we certainly would and uh again that's <laughs> it's a not-for-profit venture um yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> all right we'll figure <laughs> you would out. have to know that going into it <laughs>
0: I'd love to get a copy with that alternate in two d cover.
2: I'll yeah, I'll I'll look and see if I have anything. I'm thinking. Oh look, yeah, I'm curious myself. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't have to send it to Dave if you find one. I I can I can have it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just tear it in half. Yeah. Okay. That <laughs> works. All right. <laughs> I call the two D side. and i'll break the record in half too yes okay so you each get some i'll take
0: side bermuda yeah (laughs) yeah you have to split it i'll split the vinyl like
2: very cleanly actually lengthwise not (laughs) well that's what
0: i thought when you said you were going to split it
2: interesting okay i guess that yeah that's the obvious way i would split. obvious how
1: else (laughs) Uh, another thing I wanted to mention is this week is the first time I got to hear this album. I you know, I, I don't like to listen on YouTube, but bootleg stuff. I like to be a purist. I like to listen to an authentic way you know, for rarities and this sort of thing. So I'm listening to it, and Happy Birthday starts. And there was honestly like 30 seconds where I'm like, did they use the vocals from Happy Birthday? <laughs> Your voice sounded so much like Al's performance of Happy Birthday. Oh.
2: Oh wow. I thought you meant just the like party noises in the beginning.
1: No, the actual vocals. Um, like I was like, is this Al singing it? It was it was bizarre. It, like I really had to think about it.
2: Oh wow. That's I've uh outside of anything my mom might say, I've never been <laughs> heard such a compliment. <laughs>
1: that's amazing. Yeah, I mean I I just had to ask, so I guess that's not something people say
2: or mistake a lot. Just me. <laughs> Uh I mean definitely people have uh, accused me of <laughs> copping Al style. <laughs> but no one's ever like uh phrased it in a complimentary way. Oh, well good. <laughs> I don't think, Craig, we can get
0: away without talking about hot licks Houlihan.
2: Let's talk about him. <laughs>
0: Who is Hotlicks Houlihan and why am I so fascinated by Hotlicks Houlihan and his National Air Guitar
2: Championships? He's such a busy guy. I don't think he would do it. Oh, we should try it. Let's get. Let's ask him. Hey, Hotlicks. Yeah? You want to talk about Weird Al and Air Guitar? Sure. Sorry, I, wow. I just did my own lead in.
1: Let, let's welcome to, to the program Hotlicks Houlihan. Thank you for joining hi, us, Hotlicks. How are you? You sound <laughs> you sound so much like Craig, who sounds so much like Weird Al. It's almost like talking <laughs> to Al himself.
2: Mm, I've made I, it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you made it. You were the 2006 and 2008 World Air Guitar
2: Champion. How? Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, as we've already covered, why is a good enough reason to do anything. <laughs> why with a question mark exclamation point <laughs> um yeah it uh some there were, the competition was coming through San Francisco back in uh the wee years of 2006 and uh people said hey this thing's happening this is totally something you would do you'd be totally into this <laughs> <laughs> no, i wouldn't what do you th- you don't know me <laughs> um and uh, spoiler they did know me and <laughs> So I started, uh, I entered a, a air guitar, a local air guitar competition, and it was something I wouldn't say that I was proud of at the <laughs> time. <laughs> um, it was just a, like a, a, a silly, dumb thing to do, and, uh, but I went to this event and i didn't even tell most of my friends and in fact my girlfriend lived right around the corner and i was like hey, you can come if you want but otherwise i'll be back later yeah. and uh <laughs> we got there and uh, a lot of the other competitors were just kind of like in-, in the same mental boat as i was and it was actually kind of fun and you got to you get a little bit of this creative spirit and this also sort of like we're about to do something really dumb in <laughs> front of a few people <laughs> and uh which what we didn't realize was that the event had sold out, uh, days earlier and there was a line down the the block and around the corner. Wow. Uh, So even if we had friends who wanted to come, none of them bought tickets because none of them thought that (laughs) this might happen. so, uh, we were faced with a a sellout crowd and the kind of like mentality that that embodies. And, um, (laughs) and so we had nothing but ourselves to like use as support and i really found a a charge in that and it was it was silly it was absurd it was fun It was uh, a little scary and daunting and ultimately everybody had a really good time and how, I mean, there was a lot of haters who weren't there, which is basically like, you know, the internet at large. Yeah. Um, But like, if you're there, you realize like this, once you buy into the joke and you're like, yeah, I paid money to be here or yeah, I signed up and, you know, got off work early to be at once you, uh, you know, fess up to making the commitment to do it. It's super fun. It's super ridiculous. (laughs) Pretty much everybody's in on the joke, and those that aren't are weeded out pretty quickly. Um, And I was hooked, and I won that first competition, so they sent me, I leveled up, and I competed (laughs) (laughs) nationally, and I won that. And on the national stage was where you'd compete against people who had won in their respective regions. Right, And so the... I was in more of a cattle call type of a uh, type of event where anybody who wanted to sign up and, and give it a shot could do it. But then once I got up to that national level where it was people who had actually won in those, those markets <laughs> um, there was, it was definitely another level of commitment and creativity <laughs> and enthusiasm. And that was when I was really sold and uh, I've been totally hooked ever since, although I haven't been very active the last few years, but for the, a good Almost 10 years, that was what I did. In fact, that was actually my main source of income. Whoa. Which is possibly the most ridiculous part of all of that. Yeah.
3: Wow.
1: <laughs> okay. So you were the U.S. champ in 2006 and 2008, but in 2008, you were also the world champion
2: yes uh once you win in uh your uh, respective country you are sent to every year you're sent to uh those representatives are sent to olu finland which is a, a small college town in the north of finland which is in the north of scandinavia which is in the north of europe <laughs> so it's it's way up there um and that is wild <laughs> yeah, uh, wow. It's a w- week long I always describe it as a week long Multicultural nerd fest <laughs> Where uh, no, There's just this glass ceiling of cool So you know Nobody gets too big of th- for their britches there Everyone is like at the same level Of dorky as you are <laughs> But it's like a multicultural version <laughs> of that And it's like You spend the whole week in like this summer camp You're all staying in the same hotel The hotel knows well in advance Not to book <laughs> Families in that, <laughs> in that hotel during that week And you just It's like a big long summer camp And so by the time the actual competition is held At the end of that week it, The competition is like not is like Number four or five On your list of things that you remember about the week
1: Wow, how cool
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun And it's a really fun Energetic, creative Cast of characters who get involved In that kind of thing now, I got to ask, are there air groupies? Uh, my stock answer for that is, well, the cut to the chase, yes. <laughs> uh, but It's my thought that if you do anything where you put yourself out there on a stage doing something that the person watching wouldn't do, there is somebody out there who will... Appreciate, respect, and do you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh so it's not like a, it's a real real people. It's not just like an air person. <laughs> the The negative colloquialism is uh, air mattresses uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. I don't use that term right. uh, and I sh- would also like to point out that I have been uh, in a relationship with my now wife since. Uh, which predates the Air Guitar <laughs> days, so. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, it's a touring unit where you're on. A couple of years, we had a tour bus, and it's like, yeah, it's it, there is a, and you're you're faking the rock and roll lifestyle, which very quickly leads to living a rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> wow. And so, a lot of my compatriots definitely. Uh, entertained that yeah okay (laughs) fair enough
0: so this whole culture is so fascinating to me it's just i didn't even know it existed and now i'm learning so much about it just can you walk us through like the actual competition do they give you songs in advance or do you just make things up as you go along do you have to practice i just everything i want to know
2: well i can give you my perspective uh and well the way the competitions themselves are structured is it's two rounds uh, unless of course there's an air off uh, but the first <laughs> round is where the competitor, the person who either signed up or is you know representing something, um, you bring your own sixty second track, and you can either like just have a song start at this point in the song and end at this point in the song, or you can craft like a three act play within this sixty seconds where you've got a hard uh, beginning, you've got a hard out uh and and you can have like a breakdown in the middle and you can you can combine songs and you can do you can do all number of things to make yours you know to personalize yours but whatever it is you get 60 seconds to do that and there's few rules one is your air guitar has to be invisible so you can't use a mic stand or a broom or a person or what have you um and then no one else can be on stage with you but outside of that it's pretty much anything goes And uh, I have seen just about anything (laughs) go, uh, oftentimes including nothing even resembling air guitar. But whatever it is, (laughs) after 60 seconds, ding, you're out. Um, And then because it is such a classy sport, uh, it's judged on the Olympic figure skating scale of 4.0 to 6.0. There's a panel of judges who... um, and it's always, uh, some judges of note, like we always have like, uh, SNL cast members or, uh, musicians or, uh, you know, like music journalists and, uh, people who would be fun and who are good on a microphone and yeah. they'll often, you know, give commentary, uh, you know, after performances <laughs> and then they ultimately judge, judge the, uh, the performers. And so, after round 1, the scores are tallied and the top 5 scores advance to round 2. And round 2 is called the compulsory round and that's where you are given a song that y- that you are unaware of. You're given that song right then. So as the the top 5 scores are brought on stage, you know, uh with 17.7, please welcome to the stage uh Necromancer or you know, something like that, they'll come up on the stage, and then once all those five performers, those top five scores are on stage, they will then say, here is your compulsory track for round two. So that's the first time those competitors will get to hear that track. Now, it's uh, oftentimes it's a song that they know, but even if they know the song, they don't know the cut of that song. They don't know if it's the live version or the studio version or if it's, you know— it goes right from the chorus to the guitar So They just don't know, so they get that one chance to listen to it, and then they cycle through. Fifth place goes first, fourth place goes second, and so on. And so, if you get, uh, if you were first place going in round two, you get the advantage of having to hear that edit, you know, uh, upwards of six times right. before you go out on stage. But the other four competitors have pulled all the tricks out of their bags, which is, you know, oftentimes will leave you with not much to do uh, that someone else hasn't already done right right um so there's the advantages and the disadvantages of going early or later and then so from there then uh round one and round two scores are added up and the person with the highest score uh wins the competition
1: wow and that's how it goes <laughs> from san francisco all the way up to worlds is that just the format essentially.
2: Yeah. And, uh, I know that a lot of the regional ones, which is kind of like where it gets farmed out to anybody who wants to sign, uh, a licensing agreement with whatever air guitar organization is, uh, in their region. Um, <laughs> that's, it sounds like a baseball league, huh? Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> that's a guess. Cause I don't know anything about baseball. <laughs> I know, I know more about, uh, auto racing because I've seen cars one, two, and three than I know about baseball. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they uh some the some of the like the uh, regional competitions will do it in a different way just okay. to make it more interesting or they don't have to fully abide by that but once you get up to the higher higher ranks then that's how that's the standard of how they operate wow
0: now what songs did you perform to actually win this competition
2: the first year i did a carlos montoya flamenco slash metallica shortest straw mashup (laughs) uh which was uh which was fun and i spent more time thinking about what two songs shouldn't go together than i did (laughs) planning my routine (laughs) um and then i did plane crash by the toadies i think i did a pat benatar track uh in 2007 i I was it was more of a patrick benatar i guess and um <laughs> i've done i've done a lot over the years there is one thing if if anybody's listening to this and they're on the internet i would definitely if you don't know much about air guitar even if you do uh you don't know this i would encourage you to check out windbreaker which was a halftime show that i did i being hotlicks hulhan did with Awesome, a.k.a. Shred Bagley Jr., a.k.a. Alex Cole, the artist who drew the cover of the Weird <laughs> Album. And another gentleman named Cold Steel Renegade. We did a halftime show, and it's you. we weren't kind of uh, regulated by any sort of like competition rules. It was just halftime to kind of keep the show going. Okay. But it's called Windbreaker, Breaker of Wind. And I think if you YouTube searched Windbreaker... Air Guitar, maybe San Francisco or Hot Licks, L-I-X-X, I think it will come up, and I think it would give you a good idea of what uh, w- what the art is capable of. Oh, amazing. <laughs> it's super ridiculous. Uh, and I'll go a little further. Another thing that I only had very little uh, involvement in, so I can be super proud of it, even though I'm kind of the focal point of it, is there is a Hot Licks Houlihan The Video, and it's a pastiche <laughs> of... Uh, I had I had been doing this uh, halftime routine where I had just done a medley of a bunch of songs one after another, and I just did it by myself in between rounds. And uh, Alex Cole got the idea of making a video out of it. And so he brought me into a like art school basement with a green screen where I had like. Two feet to move on either side, whereas usually I'd be taking up an entire stage running from this side to that side and whatever. I was given, like, basically, you know, a four by four square (laughs) that I couldn't really jump or move around (laughs) in front of a green screen. And I did that. I, you know, I gave him 10 minutes of of footage. And then he turned around two years later, which is, as we've learned, uh, (laughs) on schedule for him, and made this video. And it is it's phenomenal it's a real work of art uh, wow i highly encourage anybody to uh to check that out um and it's an it's another work of art from alex cole who is uh one of my closest weird Al <laughs> <nerd friends. laughs> just to keep us on brand here yes
0: <laughs> well now the next obvious question have you air guitared any weird owl songs
2: in that very video which i have just mentioned uh, <laughs> at the end i do throw on uh, the guitar solo in uh, this is a life um uh i do there's a little call out in there i wonder if it's even yes yes the guitar solo in there and if you watch the video you will you <laughs> If you watched it and you didn't know any of the backstory, you'd be like, oh, come on. That's a total, that's straight out of Al TV. Oh,
3: come on.
2: That's totally from UHF. Like, he, the, the like, homage is, is uh, undeniable. Oh, there. cool. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah they're, they're kind of subtle, but they're in there, and they're you can't miss them. <laughs> so
1: awesome. So the air guitar led into something pretty amazing. You worked on air guitar essentially video games like rock band.
2: <laughs> yeah. Isn't that so, so dumb? <laughs>
1: it's amazing.
2: <laughs> it is. It is super amazing. Um and and like yeah, I mean that's the 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 weirdest thing wasn't that there is air guitar competitions, but the things that befall you <laughs> if you win a competition. That's the crazy part. I mean, like I rolled into a venue with a sombrero like that was so little effort (laughs) Uh, compared to like a, you know, a band that has to wheel in like a ton of gear and sound check (laughs) and And, like, and then I got rid of the sombrero because it was just too much. (laughs) I I was too, I couldn't be bothered to even carry that thing around. And then, but then it leads to these like really crazy things. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of, uh, weird offers, uh, of performing in, in a lot of like, I've performed in a lot of other countries and I've done a lot of, uh, everything from like fun, interesting, like at concert festival type things to, uh, heavily branded, um, corporate events. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, like I I went to China more than once and it was one of those times where I left and I thought with absolutely no sense of hyperbole, they have never seen anything like that (laughs) (laughs) before. And uh, and those were like it was very it's very interesting. Some of the things that I've that air guitar has led to.
1: Now, I got to ask, I, I guess I don't know how to quantify this, like a devil's advocate point of view. You know, Why does someone want to see someone pretend to play guitar when you can see someone play the guitar?
2: Uh, There's a very deep philosophical <laughs> question. <laughs> um, it is pretty. So uh, I another one of those things I, I, I won that. Uh, that first competition, and the San Francisco Chronicle, which is kind of like a pretty big paper if you know if you're traveling through tokyo that's one of the papers they have at the airport oh like interesting in papers, like a big right. paper, yeah, and they did a full page picture of me <laughs> and and it was that I think it was at the time when there was a a bombing in the London subway, and I think what it is is that there is so little gravitas to air guitar and what it represents and what it, the sense of like freedom and carelessness that it, that it sort of like uh, brings to mind that in the heavy news cycle, it's a super breath of fresh air. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I for think sure. <laughs> people very much again, like once you actually commit and go to this thing and you realize like, this is just, it is only fun. That is all this is based on. Like there is, there st- is, There's no room for it having any sort of like pretension about it all. And uh, I think people really kind of tap into that. Once you buy into the joke, like it's not funny anymore, it's just a good time. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And so I think, but then like, but when you watch a band, so often you're like, oh, you're trying so hard. (laughs) (laughs) This is so hard to watch. (laughs) Um, And then one of my friends said that it was like a, it's really a distillation of, what rock and roll is all about it's the it's the posturing it's the rocking out and it's the relatability of rock and roll being like a, a working man's uh genre of entertainment so we can all sort of relate to it and we can relate to that like you know bumping our head to like if, if, you know if a song comes on and you start tapping your foot that's that's only three steps before you get to air guitar, right? Like you, you, you hear the music that the, it possesses you and you start like responding to it. So anybody who's danced knows uh, it can relate to that sort of thing. So when you, when you see people doing it in a much more like a grand uh, ridiculous bombastic fashion, then it becomes entertaining to watch somebody else do something that you can kind of relate to. Yeah. I think that, that may be, I think that might be a little easier to digest. Um and sell yourself on than some band you don't know of or care about or you you heard their bass player voted for Trump or something you know like (laughs) some reason you don't want anything to do with it you know like there's so many of those things whereas air guitar is really pretty uh, light yeah in that regard
1: (laughs) I want to see I want to see you do air guitar that's you know I want to go to a show but I want you to be headlining it I think.
2: Uh, uh, my guitar playing before I started competing in air guitar was once described as, it looks like he's just playing air guitar. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I was going to ask I... you, how how different is playing a real guitar versus playing air guitar? Well, uh, air guitar is a lot freer. However, if you were to watch me play guitar, you would realize that I don't much care <laughs> for the. <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm much more technically proficient with the air guitar than I am with the their, their guitar. Or as the rockness monster calls it, the fake air guitar. <laughs>
1: I love it. <laughs> Do you ever have to tune right. an air guitar?
2: you could but that's that's one of those uh kind of tropes that you see early on yeah and then kind of everybody at home was like oh I'll tune it oh that'll be such a great idea and then like by the third yeah. time someone's done that yeah. you realize yeah that's, that's a it's a little easy go to <laughs> it's a great start though because if you st- if you're already if you're thinking down that path it will lead you to even greater things <laughs>
1: I can't you know, wait to there... just dive in and learn everything about air
2: guitar now. <laughs> <laughs> I will be happy to send you some of my favorite links. Yes. Oh, I <laughs>
3: love to see that.
0: <laughs> now, are there any like taboo songs like, you know, oh, this guy's doing Freebird again or anything to that?
2: There degree. are I mean, doing things like Van Halen Eruption is a, a is cliché. Yeah. And Really, if you're going to do an eruption, chances are you're just going to try and have your fingers match what the what the music is doing, which is really only one third of what's what people want to see at an air guitar competition. And that's I mean, there's the technical merit, which is how much what you're doing looks like the music that you're hearing. And then there's there's also the stage presence, which is how much you're using or abusing your environment. Yeah. And then on top of all that is what a thing that they call airness which is uh, best uh, described as being like pornography. You can't define it, but you know it when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> so you you said you've kind of taken a bit of a break from air guitar. I mean, you know, even now, how involved are you in the community? Are you, you know, are you? Uh, are you I, I assume you're a celebrity in the air guitar community.
2: I, I mean, I wouldn't use that term, but I do think that I'm kind of an elder statesman only because I was in it during a very uh, prolific era. There was a documentary, which is also highly recommended, called Air Guitar Nation, and uh, I competed the year that that was released, and so I ended up being kind of the poster boy for the, the theatrical release. So I get oh. like a Playboy bunny, I would get sent out in like a pink Jeep to all of the screenings, you know? <laughs> and uh, be part of the like Q&A and performance aspect yeah. <laughs> of that. And so and I think over the next probably 3 years was where it really hit like a cultural high watermark. And not to say that it's not still going now because it absolutely is, but I think around that era was when it was a it, it had reached a very high level of popularity. And uh, where you could, you know, we were always selling out venues and getting a lot of weird offers and sponsorship deals and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, And so I think I was kind of lucky because I got a lot of FaceTime in that era. And so I think people probably if I was recognized, it would be because of that. The the, I had the benefit of being around during that time. Right. That makes sense.
1: I would love to hear about your current project you're currently in a band called the love songs what can you tell us about that
2: it is in to keep uh, in the theme here it was what i started after the band your mother broke up and so it was the Mm. 12 year old polka listening death metal drummer and i decided to kind of keep playing and call the band love songs so that i could keep uh, a long history of very un band names (laughs) and uh, and so we and then also we thought like you know and we were still like we played in the the underground punk community and so we were we played with a lot of bands that were would never even use the word love in a song much less a song title much less a (laughs) band name and so we thought well if we just come out like that that you can't be disappointed like dude we we told you you saw the flyer you can't be disappointed or upset because you knew what was coming but then uh, you know outside of that or beyond that if they liked us it was kind of like oh they're they were pretty good (laughs) which is which is pretty much all we could hope for (laughs) wow
1: (laughs) so you guys we've been
2: doing that for 20 years now and that's uh yeah, yeah. It's uh um you wouldn't guess it uh, based on uh our level of success. <laughs> but uh uh much like so many other things we've already talked about, it is a, a labor of love and it's 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 just a fun thing that we like to do. Um I'm trying to think where the weird Al connections are. This band is more has more connections with Metallica. Um not that they know that. <laughs> but there's definitely been a, a running theme of Metallica, 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 Metallica on every, every record. So that 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 gives you a, a a good point of reference. Is the band is made up of Weird weirdo aficionados who are also obsessed with Metallica. <laughs>
1: so do you have a Metallica album of Metallica cover <laughs> songs? A Metal
2: album? <laughs> uh, what do we? No, I don't think we went so far as to relate to them musically. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> more more just every other aspect of them. <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> have, so has the, the Love Songs covered any weird owl songs?
2: Mm, I think in the early days we might have done State of Shock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which is uh which Weird Owl did polka style right. in Polkas on 45, maybe? Polka Party? Anyway, one of those. uh... But outside, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this band, instead of the reason, the real reason your mother wasn't so widely known is not because nobody cared. It was because... uh, we infringed on so many copyrights <laughs> over <laughs> over the years <laughs> that it would be near impossible to ever upload even a single song. Because uh, even in middles of songs, we would just drop a riff from another band because it seemed like, oh yeah, let's put a Slayer riff in here right <laughs> after this jazz breakdown. And. I think what uh and, and but that was all very uh, that was your mother's kind of approach and then I think with love songs instead of like actually taking a Slayer riff, we just played something more in that style. Okay. Um, kind of like how Weird Al does style parodies. Right. Uh, maybe, okay. Maybe maybe it's some more similar, akin to that. Uh, and so I think that's what this would be, which I guess is kind of an evolution of what the the younger more uh law unabiding your mother would have done (laughs) right (laughs) now we're now we're (laughs) grown-ups
1: oh that's great
2: well i'm
1: so excited to check out thelovesongs.com for information on that new band and is there anywhere where you can learn information about your mother
2: uh i think yourmother.com still exists in fact, I'm sure it does. I don't know what's on it or if anyone's maintained it. For many years, there was a live web feed because uh, uh, that was our thing is no longer a band, now just a website. And So you put a webcam on a an open uh, build-your-own-PC tower, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, of course, never changed because you know, a computer tower is not going to – maybe a light bleeped <laughs> once or twice, but – um <laughs> So I know that that was the big draw for a couple of years. (laughs) Who knows where we're at now? (laughs) Although I do remember there, we did a kind of like pre-Onion, but very Onion adjacent. We had a like a news section where we would uh, post fake news about ourselves. (laughs) And I remember there was a time – and this actually – this goes back to, like, more Metallica stuff. The very first Your Mother demo was called Pasture of Muppets, which is a spoonerism of Master of Puppets, one of the earlier uh, Metallica classics. Uh, But – so somehow I think that – if you add all these things together, it makes the story somehow somewhat believable. But um, one of the articles that we had uh, posted was very, very randomly – alan who is our bass player alan the genius quits your mother and joins metallica (laughs) and and it was a joke about because he could never join metallica (laughs) and his favorite band was bands were devo and moxie fruvis so like he you know he's not he's not in line to join metallica on any level um just absolutely like coincidentally Jason Newsted leaves Metallica at that same moment. And so <laughs> oh, no. all this searching goes out on the internet about like, oh, uh, you know, Metallica based, whatever. Somehow our article gets picked up. <laughs> and then the, the logo on our website was a YM, like a, in a kind of a shape of a globe, like a really like. Yeah poorly uh, made 1990s graphic of a globe that's out of a Y and an M for <laughs> your and mother. Um, very quickly, this gets turned into YM magazine declares Alan Kasemeyer, new <laughs> bass player, of Metallica, <laughs> which just hits the wire and it goes everywhere. So, uh, and then I remember even Metallica addressed it or the Metallica.com addressed that. <laughs> uh, kind of th- and, it was like, well, our job's done here. <laughs> Sit back and watch the chaos. That's amazing. Yourmother.com did do that for a short time. I feel like yourmother.com's probably not the worthy of much talking. <laughs> I'm on it
1: right now, and oh, yeah. there is an option to purchase like a, a giant... Um, bundle of Your Mother songs including the six Weird Al songs from the Weird Album so I think there's a a great opportunity for people who want to hear all of these songs as well as the other Your Mother songs Uh, head over to yourmother.com and uh, pick them up
2: that's absolutely true, and they are, uh, if, you, if you're savvy enough, you can read the links, and there's actually a free download of those, and oh. that's, that's a very good point. Um, <laughs> we discourage it. If you do download the free version, there, it does come with a bonus track, which seems counterintuitive, but the bonus track is just us calling you a cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> to, in song. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. So amazing. <laughs> i love all this stuff craig this has been such a blast thank you so much a for for collecting and preserving all those amazing copies of midnight star for my collection unknowingly uh thank you for you know your love of weird al and and all these amazing passion projects you've you've put out and and brought to the world but mainly thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this has been such a blast chatting with you
2: oh man this is I was so looking, I've actually did that thing where I would respond to you. And I was like, no, there's too many exclamation points in this response. (laughs) Scale it back, Craig. Come on. reel it in. Uh, Very excited to like, you know, uh, dive into the deep end. Mm. Mm. Uh, And, uh, and just, I didn't know what, what we're going to talk about, but I knew it was going to be a lot of weird out. And so very excited about that. Also very, I, 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 we just moved and I've been, Lugging around so many boxes of things that I just, I'm not getting the enjoyment out of it that these things deserve. And one of those things was that collection of Midnight Stars. So I'm super, super. This is like the best case scenario of what happened to those. Yes. Thank you. Yes.
1: I'm so happy. (laughs) Yeah. I'll take such. And then that record
2: that that record was again like a little love letter to other Weird Al fans. And here it is, so many years later, still functioning as that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, um, thank you for you know uh, noticing it and reaching out to me. <laughs>
0: well, thank you for sending it to me. Thank you again. I've already followed at Hot Licks on Twitter. And I'm <laughs> ready to go check out the Windbreaker video as soon as this episode is over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> awesome. Thanks,
1: guys. <laughs> thank you so much. Craig Bill Meyer, a.k.a. Craigums, a.k.a. The Love Songs, a.k.a. Hot Hot Licks Licks (laughs) Houlihan. Thank
2: you. I've been called so many worse things.
0: It was so much fun to have him on. And I want to extend a huge thank you to Greg. Don't you mean Craig? No, I mean Greg. Who's Greg? Greg, the nice gentleman who held the door for me at Burrito Burrito this last week. This week's episode brought to you in part by vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito
1: Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at burritosquared on Instagram.
0: And remember, not every burrito is a burrito burrito burrito, but every burrito 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 can be burrito Burritoed. Each and every week, we bring you amazing content like our interview with Craig, absolutely free. And we don't ask much from you in return. All we ask is that if you enjoy this podcast and you want us to keep making more quality weekly podcasts for your entertainment, please support us over at patreon.com 2000inch. You can support us there for as little as a dollar a month.
1: And another way to support the podcast is by visiting and purchasing something from our official Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast shop. You can head over to shop.2000inch.com from everything from pillows to T-shirts to tote bags. And hey, our friend Trevor even posted a great picture this week wearing an official Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast T-shirt. I'm so jealous
0: of that T-shirt. Where can I get one? Well, Dave, you can get one by heading over to shop.2000inch.com. A huge thank you to all of our listeners, all of our subscribers, and everyone who follows us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at 2000inch, and to all those who have joined our Facebook And, of course, a big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash 2000inch. And an extra special huge thank you to Greg for holding the door for me at Burrito Burrito. And, of course, our amazing guest this week, Craig Billmeyer. Find us online at 2000inch.com
1: and make sure to share our posts, tell your friends about the podcast, and leave us messages to play on the air by calling 347-SPATULA. That hotline's open 27 hours a day. And this just in, we're now
0: available on Pandora. Also, you can subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. Subscribe now to make sure you do not miss a single episode or any insightful conversations about your mother. From everyone at Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast,
1: we urge you to stay happy, healthy, safe, and to squeeze all the charm you can when Mr.
0: Whipple's not around. And if you find yourself with a lot of free time this week, you can head over to 2000inch.com and listen to every single one of our back episodes there, including the bonus episodes. See you next week.
1: That was Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Out podcast, episode 46 inch. Ever since we set up this interview mere minutes ago,
2: I know Dave has been wanting to ask you about a certain aspect of your career. Can we stop for a second and uh, point out that you use the word career so so that we may later laugh at that?